listening to the Long Hollow Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry at Long Hollow Church, located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you are interested in learning more about us or looking to attend one of our gatherings, you can follow us on Instagram at LHYoungAdults or visit longhollow.com for more information. And now, a message from our Young Adults Pastor, Dylan Young. Good evening. My name's Dylan. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, I would love to do so. I see a lot of new faces in here, which I love. Uh, but I'm the Young Adults Pastor here at Long Hollow, and I want to get to know you guys. So make sure you come say hey afterwards. Um, you've come at a great time as we are finishing up our Do Not Enter series tonight. So we've been talking about some issues that are culturally controversial, right, that um, cause turmoil in our culture. And um, the temptation for us at times can be to to not enter into those, to kind of stay in the background, not get into the messiness of people's lives, right? And what we're going to talk about tonight is just that is not what God's called us to do. God has called us to enter into the hard places in people's lives, right? He's called us to enter into the conversations and the relationships with all kinds of people in all walks of life. And that's where we're going to turn our attention tonight. Um, now, last week, I got to be in Hilton Head. Anybody ever been to Hilton Head? Nice little uh, vacation with the family. I'm there with my boys and my wife and my parents and sister and her husband. And we had a nice relaxing week. And, uh, but at one point, the very first day we were there, we felt like we were in one of those Geico commercials that are on right now where you don't want to grow up and become your parents, right? Like everybody loves those commercials. And I've, I feel like I find myself in those scenarios a lot, which probably says something about me. But um, the first day we're walking out to the beach, we get to the gate that's got a little access code to, to let us out there. And uh, it was our first day, so we don't remember the code. Like Rachel's getting on her phone to look it up real quick. And behind us, like way back down this path we'd walked up is an older lady. She's going, hey, it's, it's 5775. And then you gotta, you gotta push the gate. And we're like, thanks. Like we, we give her the obligatory thank you wave. We're like, I really felt like we had it under control, right? Like we, we got, I mean, the code's right here. It just took a second to get the phone out. I mean, at age 33, I have mastered opening doors that have a code on them. Uh, I didn't feel like we really needed her input. I don't know why she felt like, uh, I guess she just felt like she was being helpful, right? And we laugh at things like that, but how often is that how we treat God? Like we'll say, hey, Holy Spirit, I appreciate the suggestion. I got, I got Google right here, though. Like, I, we'll get it figured out. And we appreciate you trying to step in and help, though, right? We, we got it. I don't think that's ever how we intentionally treat God. But, man, we do it, don't we? Uh, we, we, don't, we don't mean to, but that is how our attitude can be towards God at Why? And what a, what a terrible way to live the Christian life. What a, what a weak way to live the Christian life. Like we've got God's presence within us through his Holy Spirit and the power and the confidence and the boldness that comes with it. And we say no to it. I don't think that's what God wants for any of us, right? Like he wants to live in that confidence and boldness. And uh, we're going to talk about just the fact that that's a life that's lived by faith. And I want you to take this definition with you of, of faith as we go throughout our night tonight. This is how my pastor growing up defined it. He said, faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of consequences or circumstances. I think that really speaks to where we are in our culture at the moment. Faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of consequences or circumstances. And tonight I want you to see that when we live a life of faith, we can expect God 
to use that to reach the people around us. We can expect him to show his power when we live a life of faith. So if you want to be opening up your Bible, you can turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 30. Probably not where you would have guessed I would have been tonight. Um, 2 Chronicles, first third of your Bible. Um, 2 Chronicles chapter 30 is where we're going to be. Um, We're going to look at the same God that King Hezekiah served. I assume Hezekiah probably just didn't fit into the song real well. Um, nothing really rhymes with Hezekiah. But um, as we look at 2 Chronicles 30 tonight, we're going to see what we can expect to happen in our lives and through us whenever we live a life of faith. And the first thing that we're going to see that we can expect is that we can expect opposition. We can expect opposition when we live a life of faithfulness to God. So let me just set the scene for you in uh, First and Second Chronicles. It's really this summary documentary style book looking back at the history of God's people up to this point. So we're looking back on Israel and Judah, the two kingdoms that God's people split up into. Um, And and a lot of times I love reading narratives like this because I think there are endless lessons we can learn by all the details that are in them, right? And a lot of times we kind of gloss over those details and I think we miss a lot when we don't slow down to read passages like this and to see the details. The first detail I want you to notice before we actually read our passage is that Hezekiah, when he became king, was 25. Is anybody else in here 25? I know one of you is. I talked to you earlier. Yep. Uh, We got 25-year-olds in the room, right? That feels like a big deal to be king of a country at age 25. You got to be 35 to be president of the U.S., right? All I want you to hear in that, there were people that became king younger than that. What I want you to hear is that God is not waiting for you to graduate from the long haul of young adult ministry to start using you, right? For you to be an effective person in the kingdom of God. All God's waiting on is for you to decide you want to be used. That's what God's waiting on in order to to use you and to make you this, this impactful vessel within the kingdom of God. He's just waiting on you. So Hezekiah, he's about to turn the whole kingdom back to God through his reign. And the first thing that he's done is he's taken the, the people are scattered all over the place. They haven't been able to worship at the temple, perform all the rituals that they've had as followers of God. So he's gotten the priests back together. They're they're performing their duties within the temple again. And the next thing God's called them to do is to start celebrating Passover again. So that's where we pick up the story tonight. They're going to start celebrating Passover and Hezekiah has sent out messengers to go tell people, hey, we're starting this back. Like we're going to celebrate Passover. We're going to start worshiping God again. And it's happening soon. So you need to come on back to Judah. That's what what these messengers are sent out with this message. And you see 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 10, shows us the opposition that they faced. Verse 10 says this. The couriers traveled from city to city in the land of Ephraim, Manasseh, and as far as Zebulun. But the inhabitants, here's their opposition. The inhabitants laughed at them and mocked them. They laughed at them and they mocked them. Y'all are well aware that we as followers of Jesus have beliefs that a lot of times our culture is going to mock. People are going to tell us that we're on the wrong side of history. They're going to tell us that our beliefs are old-fashioned or out of date or irrelevant. They're going to say, man, are you really sticking with all this Jesus stuff? Like that, even if they don't verbalize that to you, that may be their attitude on the inside. And what I want to say to you is this, we may be on the wrong side of history, but we just need to be on the right side of Jesus, no matter what side of history he is on, right? 
no matter where culture is headed, no matter where the history of the world or the U.S. or wherever is headed, no matter where all that's headed, we're on the same side as Jesus. We're on the same side as the Word of God in every situation. Now, if you were to read King Hezekiah's story uh, back in 2 Kings, you get some details that we don't get here. And what you would see there is that there's an army that's invading while he's the king. And the, uh, the voice of this invading army is mocking the people again, saying, man, are you really going to depend on this God that Hezekiah is telling you to rely on? That's the word that keeps popping up there. Even the enemy knows Hezekiah is relying on God. But this, this enemy, he's saying, look at the army I've got. Check out all the kingdoms I've already conquered. Are you really, you can put your faith in this God that you can't see over all the tangible things you've already seen me do? You're really gonna rely on that God. And that's the word that keeps popping up and that's what Hezekiah does and we see God move in that scenario. That was the secret to Hezekiah's success, his reliance on God. He relied on the Lord, he rushed to him in prayer. He was quick to listen to God. That was his secret, was relying on God. So the question we have to ask ourselves before we even ever face opposition is who am I relying on? When, when I've got tough questions to answer for myself or for other people, when, when difficult topics come up, who am I relying on? Am I relying on myself and my wisdom and my knowledge and my insight? Or am I gonna rely on God and his spirit to work in and through me? That's the question we need to be asking ourselves because the answer to that question really determines your actions. And it works like this. A couple of months ago, uh, we had a gathering in this building for our life group leaders here at the church. And I came just to serve food. I'm just handing out food to people. I brought Ford with me because I want him to be involved in the ministry that I do. And we were honestly running late. And we had grabbed a giant Connect Four set from a neighbor, brought it for the kids of these life group leaders to play. So we get in the building and like the line's already moving and I, I need to get over there to serve macaroni because they're not going to be able to do it themselves. Um, but we walk in the door and I'm like, okay, Ford, go over there with the other kids. Just don't leave the building. That's, that's all I told him. And that's your parenting tip for the night is uh, I just said, don't leave the building. And I figured, I mean, he, he was here tonight, so we didn't lose him. We still got him. He's still with us. That was all I told him though. And uh, a little while later, while I'm still serving food, one of the life group leaders came up to me laughing about what Ford was doing over here with the other kids in the games. So I told you we had brought in this Connect Four set and apparently Ford took it upon himself to stand guard at the Connect Four set and make sure nobody played it. I, I did not tell him to do that. I don't know why he felt like that was his mission for the night, but he's telling people, no, 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 we can't play Connect Four until my daddy gets over here. They're like, nobody's playing this game unless my daddy is standing right here playing too. Now, like I said, I don't know. He's taken to the pastor's kid label really well. Like he's not even for and he thinks he owns the place, right? Uh, but right or wrong, he was bold and he was confident in this mission that he had made up in his head because he felt like he was going in my authority. He said, I don't care what you say. You're not playing this game until my daddy gets here. And that's the end of it. That's, that's the confidence he went because he felt like he had my authority behind what he was saying, right? It's the exact same thing with these messengers that Hezekiah has sent out. These people, they were willing to stand their ground. They were willing to go keep sending out the invite and calling people back to worship God, despite the people laughing at them and mocking them. Because, hey, the king's got their back, right? 
Like they're serving a God and they're serving a king who is in support of them. And because of that, they can go out and be confident. Like, it don't matter what you say. You can laugh at me all you want. In the end, the king supports me, right? And that's the confidence they went out with. And honestly, I hope it reminds you a little bit of the great commission that Jesus gives to his disciples in Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me, Jesus, so I send you out in that authority. That's the authority, that's the confidence and the power that we get to walk in, y'all. That, that's how the Holy Spirit works in and through us is we've got this authority, we've got the confidence. We don't have to fear anything. We don't have to fear tough conversations or difficult relationships, none of it. God's got us. The gospel is not scared of any cultural topic that comes up. Not scared of it. And, and when we have that power and authority, we've got to wield that well, right? Like we don't just go out and we're bashing people. We're not just calling out people's sins. That's not how it works. That's not the authority we go out with. I think in Matthew 10, Jesus gives us a good uh, insight as to how this authority, this power works in our lives. So Matthew 10, verse 16 he says this, and you may be familiar with this verse. We'll, we'll, we'll focus on this verse for a second. Then we're going to see how Jesus ends this in a second. It's awesome. Verse 16 says, look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. Like Jesus is not beating around the bush about it. He's saying, this is, this is going to be hard. Following me and sticking to this, it's going to be difficult. You're going to face opposition. But let's be wise about how we do it. So as you head to your campus or your workplace or the gym or the coffee shop, wherever you go, you've got this authority of Jesus within you. And we're going to wield it well and we're going to do it with wisdom and kindness. And as I've, as I've thought about that, one thing that has kept coming to mind is a, is a little bit of a mindset shift I think we need to have. Um, I think this is an encouraging thing, really. I think we need to start recognizing that there is a difference between an answer to a question and a response to a person. I think there's a difference there and an answer to a question and a response to a person. So if we start thinking that way, then all of a sudden when we have questions at the office or somebody in our class is, is questioning us on our beliefs about God, all of a sudden I don't feel the pressure to give them the perfect eloquent answer uh, as to whatever their questions or their uh, thing they're mocking me about is. We won't have to have the perfect answer in every scenario. Now, listen to me. I am not saying that we don't prepare, that we don't study and do all those things. We do. But in the moment, I think maybe it's more important for us to respond to the person in a way that makes us trustworthy to them. Let's respond in kindness, even if we don't give them the perfect answer to the question. Respond in kindness and love and make, them, make yourself somebody that they would trust to come to with stuff in their life. It feels a lot different when somebody asks us a question or some, whatever the situation is. It feels a lot different if we respond to them. And instead of saying, well, here are all, all the verses that address your question, we can do that. And we'll get to that down the road. But it feels a lot different if we'll say, you know, that's a great question. And honestly, I think it's probably more than just a hallway conversation. What if we like got coffee soon? Or we, let's go to lunch, hang out. I don't know much of your story anyways. I'd love to get to know you more. I think that might be a more beneficial way to approach things. I think maybe, uh, I think maybe that's the way we should start approaching people and topics. Rather than answering a question, let's, let's respond to a person. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think we just, all that's summed up just is when you spend less time and less energy worrying about crafting the perfect response to every scenario and every question, because you can exhaust yourself doing that. 
I think we need to spend more time and more energy figuring out how to walk step for step with the Holy Spirit. I think that's where our attention and our focus might need to be because here's what Jesus says at the end of this passage. He's told them they're going out and it's going to be hard. They're going to have questions and opposition all over the place. Verse 17, he goes on to say this, beware of them, the people that are going to persecute you, because they will hand you over to local courts and flog you in their synagogues. You will even be brought before governors and kings because of me to bear witness to them and to the Gentiles. Here it is. But when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you are to speak, for you will be given what to say at that hour. Because it isn't you speaking, but the spirit of your, of your father speaking through you. Friends, we have a powerful ally in the Holy Spirit. We have a powerful ally in the Holy Spirit just waiting for us to use him. Don't, don't neglect the Holy Spirit that you have within you. We're going to rely on him like King Hezekiah did and start to learn to follow in his footsteps. And when we do that, when we truly live a life of faith where we're trying to follow the Holy Spirit, the thing that we can expect to happen after that is we can expect and anticipate God to show his power. We can expect God to show his power. And it's, again, another mindset shift almost. I, I, in my, with my high school football team, we expected to win. And I know another football story. It's all I got. Like, I like Jesus and my family and sports. That's, that's it. Um, but you're going to get another one next time we meet. Fair warning. Uh, I've already got that one built in. But uh, my high school, we expected to win on a Friday night. When I got to college and played, uh, I walked on. I did not play. Uh, I walked on one season at UTC. We were terrible. We expected to lose. And it was the strangest thing to me. Our first game of the year, we played against Florida State. Like, y'all, we're not going to be Florida State. That's not going to happen. And some of you are thinking, Dylan, I think you're doing this illustration wrong. Like David's supposed to defeat Goliath, right? That's not what happened in this scenario. We got beat 46 to 7. Not a fun game. But we still got 11 games on the schedule. And we come back to Chattanooga and I'm like, okay, we're not worried about that. We're not, Florida State's not our enemy, right? Like we're playing Charleston Southern, you know? Um, those are the people we're trying to beat. We still got 11 games. Let's go win those. But it felt like the rest of the team was like, man, we, we're not very good. Well, let's just cash it in. Like, man, is it really worth the next couple months, like really giving effort the rest of this time and trying to win? That, like that was, I didn't know how to handle that. And it was, it, that was the mindset of the team. Nobody put out effort. Nobody cared. Practice was pitiful. And our mindset became reality, right? Like we, we won one game that year and because we expected to lose. Like we're taking the field on a Saturday just expecting to lose. And that is not the mindset we can have with God. That cannot be the mentality. We, we, there, there can't be fear when, when new topics come up. Because there's going to be something new years from now, right? It's always going to be something, right? And we can't fear those things. We, we need to have the mindset of, man, what might happen if we actually stick with Scripture and live with boldness? Like, what might happen if we expect God to change the lives of our coworkers and classmates? What might actually happen if we took a chance and stepped out in obedience? Y'all, that's how we operate as followers of God. We're going to go out and expect God to move because of what we see happen with these messengers that went out. Back in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 11 now. Here's what happened when we just saw they're being mocked. People are laughing at them. But some, there's always hope with God, right? There's always but some. Verse 11, but some from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. 
Also, the power of God was at work in Judah to unite them to carry out the command of the king and his officials by the word of the Lord. <laughs> a very large assembly of people was gathered in Jerusalem to observe the festival of unleavened bread in the second month. And, then, and it gets even better. Verse 14, they proceeded to take away the altars that were in Jerusalem. Y'all, people came. People came. They put out the invitation and people came to worship God. And not only that, but it says they're laying down their idols. Like their lives are being changed by the boldness of these messengers who went out and called people back to God. Why would God not do the same here in Middle Tennessee? Why would he not do that when we live a life of faith and of boldness? For them, it was calling the people back into Passover, back into these rituals that they had, the ceremonies that they had. They're looking forward to a coming Messiah, right? We get to look back on a Messiah who came named Jesus. And that's, that's the good news that we get to go share with people. If, if you look at the way Jesus and his disciples operated, they weren't going around saying, okay, here's your particular sin. If you can get that cleaned up, then we can talk about entrance into the kingdom. No, it was they went out preaching Jesus. It was constantly Jesus and the resurrection over and over again. That was their focus. And that needs to be our focus as well. Now that word gospel just means good news. It's a Bible word that means good news. Because you see, God had this design for the world, right? He had a design for your life. And I think if we're honest, we would probably all agree the world does not look like probably what God designed, right? And the issue that we have, uh, as the Bible would tell us, is that sin entered the picture through Adam and Eve, and everything got messed up from that point on. God's design was, uh, was skewed, it was messed up, and uh, that restlessness that we feel within us, that all of us feel at times, it's because of sin and, and this separation from God that it causes in our life. That, that's, what separation, that's what sin does to us, is it separates us from God. But the good news is that we can't get to God, but God came to us, right? And he came to us through his son, Jesus. And Jesus came to earth and he lived a perfect life. He had no sin. He lived that life and it says that when he died on the cross, he was that sacrifice for our sin. So that separation from God that we feel, that separation from God that, that could have been us for eternity, all of a sudden Jesus took all of that upon himself and he took that punishment and God said, that's good for all of you. That's good news. And the even better news is that he rose from the dead three days later. And when he rose from the dead, he defeated sin, he defeated death. And all of a sudden, we've got access to the Father. We have this relationship restored with God when we repent of our sins and when we turn from our ways and we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. That is the good news that ultimately these men are going around telling people. That's the good news that we have to go share. And guys, that's, that is good news to go share. That ought to be something we want to go share, right? Friends, uh, when we live in confidence that the Holy Spirit's empowering us, there's nothing that can stop you, right? And we're going to expect God to move whenever we live in a way that honors him, right? I think he'll do that. I think he's going to change people's lives around you when you live that way. Let's expect God to show his power. Let's expect that. And that, that leads us to our final thought of the night. We're going to have opposition, but even in light of that, we're going to expect God to move. And when he does move, when he does change people's lives, this is, I had never noticed this before until studying this passage for this. And I think this is so cool. 
when God does change people's lives, we're gonna expect new followers to be imperfect. And we're gonna expect them to be imperfect in part because, newsflash, you are imperfect too, right? No matter how long you've been following Jesus, you still don't have it figured out either. Um, we probably make this mistake more often than we realize, expecting somebody to go from a life far from God and overnight change it all, and they've got it all figured out, and they're living on the perfect path following Jesus. And y'all, that's, that's an unfair expectation to put on anybody. And we actually, I love in this passage, one thing you're going to notice if you were to go back and read this chapter, you're going to notice imperfection in a lot of ways they do things and God's grace in spite of it, which that's not how we think of the Old Testament God a lot, right? Like we think of him as like the ultimate rule enforcer. That's, that's the Old Testament God. And that is, that is not his heart as we read right here. If you, if you jump down in this chapter a little bit to verse 18. So people have come back, they're worshiping God in Passover. And here's what we see in verse 18. A large number of the people, many from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun, they were ritually unclean, yet they had eaten the Passover contrary to what was written. So they've honestly kind of messed up. Like this was, they're supposed to be clean before they take part in Passover, right? And Hezekiah knows this. <laughs> this is, if there was ever something to encourage you that you do not have to clean up your life to come to Jesus, this is it right here. Like Jesus wants you in your messiness. He wants you to come to him with all of it. And then we lay it down, right? He's not waiting for you to clean up your life in order to come to him. This is it right here. But Hezekiah had interceded for them saying, may the good Lord provide atonement on behalf of whoever sets his whole heart on seeking God, the Lord, the God of his ancestors, even though not according to the purification rules of the sanctuary. Verse 20, so the Lord heard Hezekiah and he healed his people. Y'all, that's awesome. That is, that is not the way we might even expect God to operate. No, it's like, you gotta, you gotta do this right. Like Passover is not something to play around with, right? No, no, no. Look at God's heart there. These people are trying to do a new thing. Their heart is pure. It says they're seeking after God with their whole heart. They're trying to follow God. They just don't know how to do it. They need somebody to show them, right? They need somebody to walk alongside them. And God is gracious with them in this moment because they've never had somebody walk alongside them and show them how to follow God yet. So that's the task we each have. That's the task all of us are called to because we can't expect people just to know how to follow Jesus on their own. We can't just hand them the book and say, here's the manual, we'll see you next Sunday if you can just obey everything in here in the meantime. That's not fair. What, why would we do that? We wouldn't do that in any other situation in life. We're, we're called to walk alongside people. Man, come follow me as I follow Jesus, right? That's how Paul would say it. I don't know where I would be if I had not had people come alongside me and show me how to do this thing. There's, I, I mean, no, I sure wouldn't be standing right here. I don't know where I would be. You could probably say the same thing if you hadn't had people come alongside you. So y'all, when we expect God to move and when he does and when we see neighbors and friends and coworkers start following Jesus, that's when we enter in again, right? Like the, the, the baptism, that moment you accept Christ, uh, it, it, none of that, that's all the starting line. That's where we start. That's where this Christian life begins and we gotta have people walking alongside us. I've been excited about this passage for a lot of reasons, for all of the things we've already talked about, but one of the reasons I was excited about it is honestly, it's been convicting for me. Uh, I, I feel like I have probably missed out on a lot over the years because I've let fear or timidity or laziness or whatever it may be, 
I've let those things hold me back and let them keep me from living in a boldness that the Holy Spirit can give us. And a, a perfect example of that, and I, honestly, I'm tired of that. Uh, that that's, this has been a motivating thing for me. And, and two of my neighbors here recently uh, have come to know Jesus. I've seen, it's very evident life change in them, which is awesome. And I praise God for it. I'm so happy for them and for their families. The part that is convicting for me is that I've been living in their same neighborhood for five years and I played no part in that process. And that is hard to accept that I, that I had no part in pushing them one step closer to Jesus, right? I, I don't want to miss out anymore on what God might want to do through me. And I don't want you to miss out anymore on what God might want to do through you if we would just step out in confidence and obedience and trust him. I don't want you to miss out. I come up with plenty of excuses and I'm tired of doing that and I don't want to miss out anymore and I don't want you to either. So here is your task as you leave tonight. I want to give you a really simple, tangible way to try to live this out just over the next week is I want you to start building relationships now. Like I'm so guilty all the time of just waiting, I'll get to it, and then it, you know, it never happens, right? It's been five years and it's never happened with those neighbors. Start the relationship now. Don't, don't wait any longer. So over this next week, here's what I want you to do. I want you, this is so simple, y'all. Just invite somebody to coffee, invite them to lunch, go hang out with them somewhere and let them do the talking. You be the question asker and the listener that's a principle for any place in life. Let's be good listeners. Like let them do the talking, get to know them, get to know their life and be praying all throughout the process. Pray before, pray during it, pray after it, asking the Lord to lead you in that conversation, whatever direction it goes. And as you do that, I want you to consider, this is inviting, we talked about this movie night we got next week, y'all. We want to do things like that to give you really, really simple, easy ways to invite people to something. Like a movie night like that is not intimidating. It's not like you come into a church service for somebody that may uh, never have done that before, might be kind of put off by it. I want you to have that conversation with them. And while you're doing it, pray and ask the Lord if that's somebody you should invite to come to that next week. And I, I want us to just dream about what might happen. Like what could happen if we actually did that, y'all? What could happen if we actually had 100 people go out and start new relationships with people who don't know Jesus, maybe they do know Jesus and you just need to enter into a friendship with that person and walk alongside them. I'm gonna trust that God will bring somebody to mind for you. I know he will, if you'll genuinely ask him who it is that you need to, to do that with. So y'all, put out an invite. And I'm not asking you to do anything I haven't done. I put out my invite today. Go out, go hang out with somebody. Invite them to come next week. I think that's a really tangible and easy step of faith that you can take. Because here's the thing, if you wanna learn how to trust God, the first thing you got to do is just trust God. <laughs> and once you take that first step of obedience and you see that God was faithful, then you're going to be more confident to take the next step and the next step and the next step. Maybe this is the first one you need to take tonight. Y'all, what could happen if we actually did this? All hundred of us in the room went out and were sent out. We're praying for people. We're entering into relationships. We're bringing them to hear the gospel and the good news of Jesus. What could happen if we actually did that? I'm going to expect God to use you and anticipate all the ways he's going to do that. And y'all, I look forward to hearing all the stories. Let me pray over you. 
God, we are so grateful for the people who entered into a relationship with us. Lord, it took somebody having the boldness and the confidence to talk about you with us at some point in our life in the past. Thank you for putting those people in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would give this room a confidence and a boldness that could only come from you, God. I pray that when they step out in faith, that they would know that they would be able to feel your power and your presence in them, Lord. And that that would spur them on to greater and greater things. And Lord, if there's anyone here who needs to know that gospel, that good news, I pray that you would give them the boldness to step out and reach out to somebody tonight even and say, I need to know more about that Jesus you guys are talking about. God, would you be faithful to us? And we know you will be. We look forward to seeing all the ways that you're going to move. We expect you to do it. We anticipate you doing it. And God, we're going to thank you in advance for all the ways you're going to move. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we pray it all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.